0: Last week, I could barely start my sermon. Uh, I was crying, if you weren't here, uh, because I, I showed a video that demonstrated the way that, the way idols form is we look for something to help us, but then the situation turns and we end up serving it. And it always takes us further than we were willing to go. It's kind of in our expectation we budget a certain amount of pain that we're willing to um, we're willing to take on, and then um, the way idols work is it always takes us beyond that. But by the time we're in there, uh, it's almost too late to turn around, and it and it owns us, and we commit to it. An example would be alcoholism or, or getting drunk. It's like nobody enjoys the day after getting drunk. But for the relief of escape, which we now know should only happen in the gospel, and God has provided a way for us to escape to Him by dying in our place and rising from the dead. But we we go and we you go and you escape, and then and then you wake up the next morning and you've got a headache and you feel terrible and you're throwing up but it was worth the temporary escape. And so, or so you thought. But we talked about idols and the effect that they have on us and and I was so struck again by seeing that video and being reminded of the great pain that is underneath the surface in our culture. I highlighted that It is uh, that the reality that these people were going through is it was a girl who was struggling in the video with an idol of of acceptance, an idol of significance, an idol of comfort, an idol of control manifested as romance and alcohol and money and um, self-harm. And um, the reality is it's under the surface all around us, even if it doesn't look ugly. Even though, especially in our environment, Northern Virginia, we specialize in making it look clean. Because we have the resources to put on enough nice clothes. We have the resources to put on enough makeup or keep air in our tires. And to make everything look like it's okay, even when it's not. You can specialize in that, can't we? And we've all done it to one extent or another. Well, this week, that pain and that ugliness that was under the surface was made plain. Two African-American men were shot and killed by police officers. And then somebody retaliated against police by murdering five police officers at a peaceful protest. Laying bare the ugliness and the pain that's right underneath the surface. I tell my wife sometimes, you know, when, when my soul is tired, you know, water boils at 100 degrees Celsius and I'd be like, I'm at 99.9. I I'm at 99.9. I don't know what's, what's gonna set me off, but something's wrong in my soul. And I need... A balm for my soul i 'll say that one of the greatest gifts my parents gave me was uh, was staying a part of Grace Covenant Church um, i've been at Grace Covenant Church through middle school and high school, and I never left. I stayed in college to intern and help build the youth group and in those years um, my my family has become a family that 's not just white anymore my family is white and black and tan I've, thank you Shanique can I have everybody's permission to say black instead of African-American because you know Shanique is from the Bahamas right she's not African-American she's Baham- I don't even know how to say it Bahamian, Bahamian? But my family isn't just one color. But that also means that when my family is struggling with something that I'm not necessarily struggling with the same way, I hurt too. That means that for my black brothers and sisters, I hurt with you. I can't understand, I understand that I don't understand. I understand that I don't, I'm not worried about my brother getting pulled over. I understand that I've never been worried about my dad getting pulled over or my dad being wrongly accused of something because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But I know for many of my brothers and sisters, that's a concern that you have. Even this week, it was brought to my attention that one of our family members was stuck at work and there was concern for her husband because he was stuck at work and there was concern that maybe he'd be thought of being in the wrong place for somebody of his color. That grieves me. So I'm sorry. I'm thankful that my parents stayed at Grace Covenant Church even when the music didn't line up necessarily with what they were used to. I'm thankful that my parents stayed at Grace Covenant Church when we changed how we did communion. You know, we used to walk up to the front and take it together. Then, as the church grew, we started handing them out so people would take it from their own place. And for many people, uh, that cultural shift would be too much and it's like, no, no, no. I'm, I want to go to a church where we do it this way because that's what's important. I'm thankful my parents stayed. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful they stayed because many of my mentors are not white. The men who helped me in my marriage, when Megan and I, Dad, you don't know this, um, Megan and I were done wedding planning one night and she's like, that's it, we got to just elope. This is crazy. And we needed perspective. Pastor Ed Shaw, who is black, answered my call. We went over to his house and he told me I was an idiot and reminded me why it was important to go through with the ceremony as planned. I'm thankful that my parents chose to stay even though a lot of times it's the harder thing. And I'm thankful that if you are black this morning that you're choosing to stay even though it's the harder thing. I didn't comment on Facebook this week. I probably won't. I shared something that Pastor Brett Fuller, our senior pastor who is preaching in Chantilly this morning shared and I'm gonna read that for you this morning. Because I think it's important for all of us to, to you know, as, while I'm white, right, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's obvious, right? <laughs> um, I want to make sure that uh, Pastor Brett, Pastor Brett's perspective, Pastor Brett who is black, is also heard by our congregation. Because the things that I didn't experience... He has experienced. And so, um, thank you for doing hard things. Thank you for being here. Thank you for standing together. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. This is a blog post that Pastor Brett shared on the everynation.org website. Every Nation is the ministry that Grace Covenant Church is a part of. I'm gonna read it as written. The violent events of the last few days have shaken the core of our identity as a nation. Today, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. A Latin statement written on the great seal of the United States and upon much of our currency feels more like the Pollyannish dreams of a burgeoning 18th century nation than a present-day descriptive slogan. Worse yet, from the black man's perspective, the term pluribus, meaning many, was never int- inc- intended to include him. Slavery, Jim Crow laws, decades of institutionalized prejudice, which is racism, and tendencies for the dominant population to man- maintain the cultural norm only served to reinforce the idea that he would never be truly welcomed in mainstream America. Thus, African Americans were resigned to believe that when the United States Founding Fathers said, e pluribus unum, they meant e pluribus duo, out of many two. I open with this painful reality because there's no way to understand the psyche of a black man without understanding his improbable birth through extraordinarily narrow sociological canals. Being sociologically marginalized and constitutionally disrespected for centuries has had an effect on a people. Most African-Americans have learned to bear their pain well, and some have even been healed, but none have developed amnesia. It takes only one discriminatory incident, real or perceived, to unearth the pain of many generations upon one. Thus we are here. The victim is black. The Baton Rouge, Louisiana, two officers attempt to physically subdue a man Though the perpetrator never displayed a weapon, the officers decide the best way to neutralize the threat is to shoot him, gun pressed to his chest at least three times. The victim is black. The national outrage, more than palpable, the, uh, but the, the rage in the black community was unlike any I have experienced since the 60s. It is so deep that it seems to have morphed into a bitter hopelessness, the kind from which uh, blood feuds are formed. This depravity can breed demonically motivated men who hunt men. The murderous targeting of responsible Dallas police officers was the saddest case in point. Words do not carry weight. Words do not carry sufficient weight when attempting to denounce this heinous act. This dark pit into which many go has no exit to save the hand up offered uh, offered through the gospel of Jesus Christ. May God help the city of Dallas and the families who lost their loved ones. Enter the church stage right. At the core of any misuse of authority is the heart of a person who is making the decision. The influence of the gospel upon the heart can make a black man buck the racist policy in favor of treating his fellow man well. The power of the gospel can make a man less fearful of the unknown, allowing him to be a better decision maker in crisis. The heart-changing good news can even stop a man from retaliating against his enemy while aiding him to make a friend out of a foe. The gospel will help legislators craft better laws, help business people create companies with inclusive environments, and help the offended forgive. The good news of Jesus Christ makes people the best version of themselves they could never be. Dear Christian, if there is a more pointed time to do what we have been crafted and called by God to do, I know it not. America desperately needs the message Jesus died to deliver. If our nation can be healed, the prescription God is writing is the gospel. There will be many marches, protests, and speeches in coming days, most of which will be constructive, well-intended men doing what they can do in their generation to address over 20 generations of pain. There will be a reemphasis on sensitivity training and cross-cultural immersion exercises. Every school, local government, company, little league, and the police department will be evaluated while they self-evaluate. All will make a valiant effort to eradicate vestige of racism, from their culture and our country will be better for it. Still, will we be any closer to e pluribus unum? While social activism is important, its most hopeful result is reformation. The church is the earth's only institution that possesses the message of personal transformation, the kind of heart change that inspires unparalleled reconciliation relationally, cross-culturally, and cross-ethnically. We will come closer to seeing E Unum become a reality if the church preaches the gospel to all creation. God help us. Help America. It's helpful for me. I didn't read this for our black members and our people who are here who are new, who are black. I read this for those who are white. Because as a white person, it's hard to understand. It's always hard to know what you don't know, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. I I look out and you don't get to see what I see, but what I see is amazing we've got cross cult- we've got intercultural marriages and relationships family that's bound together at the cross i see people who have who have put on love and chosen to love and i can only imagine the challenges that you've faced in the midst of what's going on in our nation i want to um in just a moment, I'm going to invite J.C. and Keith to come up and pray with me for our church and for our nation. But first, what I want to do is I want to pastorally encourage you. I want to encourage you to guard your hearts. Proverbs 4.23 talks about guarding your heart, for from it flows the springs of life, of everything else. In Philippians it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, which indeed you were called to in one body. This one body won't be possible if we don't individually guard our hearts. And two of the ways that I think we can do this is to make sure that we guard our gates. That we guard the gate of our eyes and we guard the gates of our ears. And we be careful what we look at and we be careful what we listen to. In today's social media and 24 hour news cycle world, you could stay on your computer the entire day and it will either be to you comfort or fuel. I would encourage you during this time, it may be wise to stay off social media, to go on only intentionally and only to learn something on purpose, and not to spend more time scrolling and watching and learning and uh, accidentally consuming. We need to watch our diet. That is for all of us. The reality is, it's true for all of us all the time that we should watch our diet. But it's in these heated moments that it becomes that much more obvious and that much more weighty, and not, not more true, but more apparent that we need to guard what it is that we consume. Uh, Keith, and we had breakfast with Keith and JC this morning and we were talking and they said the average person Consumes how many hours of media, Keith? 10? 10.47 hours a day of media. I was talking with a, a psychologist recently, or a psychiatrist recently, about mental illness, and he, he was telling me, he, he said... Yeah, so a lot of the mental illness that we experience today is probably a result of social media and all the time that people spend on media. And while he was telling me this, he opened the Facebook app on his phone and started flipping through it. (laughs) It was so funny and ironic. And what made it even funnier is I felt the same temptation to do it. He just had the courage to do it. (laughs) Just had the courage to do it. but that 10.4-whatever hours of consuming. Consuming what? And what are we missing while we're consuming? What meal has gotten cold while you were taking a picture of it? real. I like my nachos warm, cold, cold cheese. It's no good, JC. You know, what gift got opened while you were looking to see what somebody else opened? What rainbow did you miss? Because you were looking at somebody else's double rainbow that looks so much better with filters on it. What date did you miss with your wife because you were jealous of the other person's date? Oh, is that too real? It just got like sobering like fast. I was trying to make it light for a second because it's been so heavy. Can we all just, oh. Thank you. But we're mindlessly consuming all of this, you know. You want to know? If, I, I read this article about it. I don't know when it was. It was in the last year. And I read this article and it scared the heck out of me. It said that Facebook keeps track of every status, even if you don't post it. You want to know why? They want to remove the obstacles so that you post everything you think. So if I'm like. Man, these nachos are on. And I'm like, oh, never mind. I want to eat the nachos. And I put my phone down and I never post that stat and I delete it. What they want to do is they want to make it so that I hit post. So they're like, I want to make it easier for people to post. Because every time we post, they get advertising dollars. You're like, like Facebook isn't in this for your best interest. Is that a, I mean, I know we're not surprised by that, but it, like, they're not in it for you. They're in it for the dollar. And so they want to make it as easy as possible to post things, even if it's ridiculous or good or bad. And they don't want you to stop and go, oh, maybe that wouldn't be wise to post. Maybe I shouldn't make that comment. So they're going to make it easier and easier. I mean, the post the post button's going to get like this big. So their wallet can get that big. <laughs> And I don't not to vilify or demonize them. They're business doing what businesses do. They're not charged with guarding your heart or mine. There was a um, there was a um, moment. Uh, so I work out with a group of guys. We call it the Breakfast Club, but there's no breakfast. <laughs> stupid name. There's this exercise called the prowler and the prowler is a torture device that they use to squeeze out our weakness. And you push this sled and Tim Atkins, I don't know if he's in here, but I'm gonna talk about him. Okay, he is in here. So I'm still gonna talk about you, but I'm gonna use nicer language. He was pushing the sled and I know he didn't eat a good good food over the weekend because yeah, you didn't, did you? Your diet tells on you. Your diet will tell on you. And so he was pushing this thing, and he got stuck. And so all these guys lined up on either side of him, and they were cheering for him. Come on, team! you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. There were guys standing at the finish line cheering for him. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Maybe it was a bear crawl. And there were guys getting down on the ground next to him, crawling next to him, like on the ground, crawling, and come on, yelling at him, encouraging him. I was sitting there like, you can't do it. Because there's got to be one, right? Everybody's cheering for him, and everybody's hollering for him, and trying to make him mad so he finishes. And but nobody could do it for him. Yeah. I can cheer for you. I can encourage you. I can I, make myself a fool and say hard things and say awkward things and and kind of expose something that's there. But I can't guard your heart for you. And I just I feel like social media is one of those places where where it has advanced so quickly and we just kind of take it and run with it without considering its effect on us. So I just want to encourage you to guard your hearts in that way. Secondly, pay attention to the condition of your soul. And if you're at 99.9 degrees Celsius, talk to someone and share that. You don't have to act like you're not at boiling. You don't have to act like you're not hurt. You don't have to act like you're not mad. You don't even have to act like you don't understand. I mean, you don't have to act like you understand if you don't. It was Tim again. Tim, I'm just going to talk I mean, you should just have you come up here and talk for me. Talk to him on Friday morning and in a workplace filled with white people, nobody talked about the two shootings. Probably not because they didn't know because you don't know what to say. It doesn't mean that you should post on Facebook just to satisfy somebody. That doesn't mean that you should talk to go find a black person and say, hey, I'm sorry, I don't understand. But for the people who you're close to, the people who are in your world, ask questions is that fair to say mm-hmm. to my black brothers and sisters is that fair to say yeah. it's risky up here <laughs> it's being recorded and I'm just assuming what everybody you know, like I'm, it's it. but we got to guard the momentum of our soul and, and, and here's the trick about our soul I was going to bring a a, a baby a kiddie pool up here to illustrate it but did you ever walk around in a baby pool to get the momentum in the in the pool going did anybody else do that you missed out on your childhood <laughs> it's so cool on a little baby pool like you can not as a baby but like as an uh, like as a teenager you're like hey, look at me in this baby pool you know and and you get the momentum going and the and the water goes and goes and goes and then you turn and you change directions and then you got to slog against it and change the direction again? You've never done that? Whatever. We're done. I don't even know you. So it, it happens. It, where I should have brought the baby pool. But you get the momentum going in this direction. Just try it when you go home today. Fill a bowl with water and get it going, you know, so the funnel goes down to the bottom, and then change direction. And you're going to change the direction of your water. That's a that's a picture of what repentance is. It's to turn and change direction. Go from what you were doing to what needs you know toward God and pursue righteousness, right? So so if your soul's hurting, you're going in one direction and you're like, I'm hurting. I want to turn, but the momentum wants to carry you. You've been in a, uh, a lazy river. It feels real lazy until you try and walk against it, right? It's the same thing with the baby pool. I just read okay. So, you know, the feeling, but you turn and you've got to fight against it. And what happens when you turn to fight against it is it gets all splashy and awkward and chaotic. And so does your soul. If you stop and say, hey, it hurts. Which is why we don't do it. Which is why we'd rather numb ourselves with media. Which is why we'd rather just hunker down in what we know to be true, instead of instead of opening up to the idea that maybe there's information that you don't have. So turning and going against the current is extremely difficult. Which is why we don't. To talk to somebody and say, "Hey, I'm hurting. I need help processing this." is the turn. Then we need to follow through that decision, even when the water gets all choppy and turned up and confused. Paul in Romans 12 instructs the church in Rome how to deal with authorities, but it is the subtitle, and a lot of the Bibles will say on Christian living. And so you can just look up Romans 12. But one of the things that he talks about is to mourn with those who mourn. And Paul's a really interesting figure. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I'm gonna invite Keith and JC to come up and pray uh, with me. Um, He opens up and he says, Paul, actually, I'm just gonna read it to you because I don't wanna mess it up. Paul was writing this letter to the church in Rome that was comprised of Jews and Gentiles. That's Jewish people and non-Jewish people. They were trying to figure out how to have church. And they were trying to figure out how to work together. Now, Jew and Gentile, we break it into two categories, but it's really Jewish people and all the other people and all the other gods and all the other religions and all the other faiths, all at the same time, trying to figure out how to have church. Trying to figure out how to have a potluck right like how do you how are we going to do worship and they're like i think we need to kill some animals and <laughs> somebody else is like no no they, we're not going to kill any animals okay well we bring in the prostitutes no no nope, that's not how we do it in the christian church and so paul's got to bring them all together and help them figure out how to worship together and this is this is how he opens this letter to them he says paul a servant of christ jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of god I'll stop right there. In one verse, Paul instructs us how to press forward in this environment. So Paul's original name is Saul. His given Jewish name is Saul. And he's writing to both Jews and Gentiles, and he uses his Greek name. It was a common, because he was a Roman citizen, he had a Jewish name and a Greek name. He went by Saul, and now he's going by Paul. And he goes by Paul for the rest of his ministry because he's ministering to non Jewish people. And so he takes this name, Paul. And so already he's like, hey, I am Jewish, but I'm going to use my Greek name. Isolating himself and upsetting more than likely the Jewish people who are going to receive this letter. And then he says, a servant. There was nothing lower than a slave to a Roman. So in the first two words, he's like, hey, I'm a Greek slave. Take that, Jews and Gentiles. I'm making myself low. But he makes himself low for a reason. He says, Paul, a servant, right? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to identify with you. I'm not going to identify with you. I am a, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. So now he's gone the extra step and now he's identifying with a man who died a murderer's death. Christ Jesus who we know as our Lord and Savior, the most beautiful name that exists. But in that time, the people that he was writing to would have gone, oh, this Jesus Christ guy. And you're either going to go, that's the one who I find my affiliation, my life, my salvation, my eternity, my hope, my joy in. Or you're going to go, that guy was a criminal. And his disciples are delusional. And so what he does in these first four words, Paul, servant, Christ Jesus, he's like, I'm not here to impress anyone. I was called to be a representative. I was set apart for the gospel of God. Brothers and sisters, we are set aside. We are set apart for the gospel of God. What is this gospel of God? It's this, that man is hopelessly sick, desperately lost. And there is one way to be fully Uh, who God intended you to be, and that is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. In In Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, and this is the speed brown sermon. Keith and JC, can you please go ahead and come up? In Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the, Lord will, but the Lord arises upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now here's the thing. If we understand this chronologically, this is how it happens. It says that in verse 2, would go first. So it would go verse 2, verse 1, verse 3. and verse 2, For behold, darkness will cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. It is not hard to see the darkness this week. But it was dark last week too. Just now we see it, we're aware of it, we're tuned to it, we know it, we feel it. We feel it in our own soul, we feel it on our, in, in the momentum of our family, we feel it in the media, you feel it in your workplace, you feel it everywhere that you go. Do you not feel? Does anybody else feel it? We feel the darkness. We're aware of the darkness now, but this is what it does. So, so here's all this darkness, and so we're in the darkness. And it says, his glory will be seen upon you. And here's verse 1, which chronologically is 2nd. It says, now arise and shine, for the light has come, the light being Jesus Christ. The bright morning star has risen, and he's going to reflect off of you. I'm going to go quickly. So we need to rise. Why would we rise? So the light can shine on us. So that we can separate ourselves from the darkness. So the light of Christ can shine on you. Why does the light need to shine on you? So that you can reflect the light to a sick, dying and dark world. So as we rise, as we stand up out of the funk, as we rise up out of the ashes, out of the thick darkness that everybody's captured by, that wants to drag you down, we stand up and the light of Christ will shine on you. And you will reflect it to a, light that, to a world that is desperate for light. Show me the way. I need some light. And here we have a string of Christmas lights. And it's really bright. And there's bright, 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 bright. And it's beautiful. And I love it. But your brightness will really, truly, deeply, and brightly, more brightly shine when you step outside of this building and you go into your neighborhood. And you reflect the light of Christ. Now here's the here's the last part. So we, so we rise, we reflect, and then finally we radiate. Now here's the cool thing. In Christianity, we don't just reflect what's on the outside. But the promise of Scripture is that God will dwell in us. That he sent his Comforter, he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell us and to move powerfully through us and to manifest his presence in and through your lives. So not only are you just shining what's in front of you, but you also radiate light. You give it off. A city on a hill can't be hidden. That that verse talks about who would put their light under a basket? Nobody would meaningfully or knowingly do so. We wouldn't hide it on purpose. But we can accidentally drain the power from it if we don't guard our hearts, if we don't guard our minds if we don't fight for our relationships and fight for one another, if we don't pray with one another, if we don't love one another, if we don't contend for one another, the power of the light will drain. I think this is beautiful. That when I was like, man, I... I think I want the elders to come up and pray with me on Sunday so I never appear to be somebody who stands alone then I remembered that the elders who are here on Sunday morning are white and black and black and white that's just the way it happened I'm so grateful for that so I've asked them to both pray and we're gonna link up. You don't have to link up. You don't know each other. <laughs> we're gonna link up. Do you have a microphone? Either one of you? Yeah. Oh, you both got microphones. It's like our power. <laughs> hey, let's preach. Let's, here, let's step to the front. You don't have to put your toes off the end like I do. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna link up with you. And family, I invite you to stand. Don't link up. Unless you want to link up, but don't Weird, there's no pressure. Just like your like hold your wife's hand.
1: <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we are first of all so grateful for the family into which you've adopted each and every one of us. None of us were born worshiping you, but you pursued us nonetheless. Lord, when we were enemies, you demonstrated the only love that can subdue the dark and sin-sick soul of man, the agape love of God. And we thank you for how you pursued us when we were at odds with you. You didn't let it deter you from being who you are. And God, we know that your word instructs us that because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But Father, we thank you that the residing person of your Holy Spirit lives with us to help us to keep the flames of love stoked in our lives. And to let nothing circumstantially put them out. Lord, when we see the madness that goes on around us, we just allow it to prompt us to walk in the love that you demonstrated toward us. And Lord, as your word tells us, we love because you first loved us. Help us, Father, to walk in that love, to allow it to emanate, radiate, and be reflected through our lives. And that it would indeed touch the hearts of men and women with whom we come in contact. That they would know that there is a Savior. He loves them. He cares for them regardless of their nationality, their background, their criminal record or their non-criminal record. Lord, you are a God of love who pursues sinners of which all of us are part of that class. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord.
2: Father, our nation is hurting. And you are the answer. Your word declares in Joel chapter two, you say, now therefore, thus says the Lord, turn to me with all of your hearts, with fasting, with mourning, with weeping. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God who is gracious and merciful and long-suffering and of great kindness. And so he will relent of doing evil. Father, we know the answer doesn't lie in man's efforts to fix this problem. Congress doesn't have the answer. Law enforcement doesn't have the answer. Psychology doesn't have the answer. You are the answer. Lord, the nations are in distress. You said in Luke 21 that this would happen You said that men's hearts would fail them for fear and expectation of those things that are coming on the earth. But you gave an answer. You said, don't be afraid. Look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. Lord, you are our redemption. You are the answer. The love that I have for J.C., who represents the black brothers that I walk with is such that I trust my very life with him. I love this man like my own brother because he is my brother. Father, heal our land. Heal our hearts. We rend them now before you. We ask you for a holy moment. We ask you, Father, for help. We need your help. And we turn to you and we cry out to you, Father. Abba, Daddy, help us. Please, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you are the way, the truth. In the life. You are the answer. And we trust you, O oh God. Isaiah 26.3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because we trust in the Lord. Yeah. And we trust in you. Yes. Give us peace now. In Jesus' name. Father, we ask that you would comfort all who mourn.
0: that you would be our great peace. You would be our great hope. You would be our great joy. Holy Spirit, you are our balm of Gilead, which heals every hurt, which heals every pain, heals every disease. We find ourselves in you and you alone. Help us this week to guard our hearts, to guard our minds, to fight for one another, that you may be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name, amen.